Welcome everybody to another episode of Where in the Folk. <laughs> David. <laughs> that was sexy Cecil. And then we have got Jeremy and Tully joining us tonight as well. Oh and God. We're not talking about where in the folk. We're talking about what where in the, the folk, folk today. Okay. What in the folk are we talking about today? Tucky? Tucky. T- talking about <laughs> inventions and patents that our great leaders have taken away from people for one reason or another wait so all of these are are not in existence there's a there are a few things where like years and years and years and years after lawsuits and you know people being disappeared like some things have come to light but most of these have been ghosted yep yeah. Mm. So the first person we're talking about is Stanley Meyer. Meyer invented a car motor. It didn't run off no petrol. It didn't run off no diesel. It ran off the water. And apparently what he did was created this car motor that ran off electric water fuel cells. It separated any kind of water, including salt water, into the basic elements of hydrogen and oxygen. You know how, like... Whenever you drink a lot, people say you're pissing your life away. Yeah. You could have just literally just saved your piss. Yeah. And make the beer work for you. Exactly. Basically, use the electrolysis. I can't even say it. Electrolysis Electrolysis. method. With all skepticism, Meyer got a patent under Section 101 of the Subject Matter Eligibility Index. That means that it actually worked. Because you have to prove functionality to get that, apparently. And reliability. So Myers worked on the water-powered engine for 20 years through research and fucking dedication. His claim was that the... And a lot of cocaine. Probably a lot of cocaine. (laughs) His claim was he could run tap water straight through it and drive his car from one end of the country to the other. And so this could have solved 20% of what they call carbon pollution that's destroying the earth. Well, wouldn't it just, like, the exhaust of that basically be to end up being clouds, just water vapor? (laughs) Here, I'll show you the exhaust. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hipsters and pussies would be putting their mouth around the exhaust. (laughs) (laughs) So I would think, so I would think that it probably used the hydrogen for the actual fuel part of it yeah well oxygen is combustible too i'm sure you both in some form so so would it also be oxygen to fuel the hydrogen probably well if it's if it's separating the two wouldn't wouldn't oxygen be like a byproduct of it so it it helped and it would throw oxygen into the atmosphere yeah so estimated, you know, if this would became a thing, it would have solved 20% of the carbon problems in the world. But, you know, there's a little thing that he was up against. Oil! Bagel! Exxon, for example, is one of the largest publicly traded oil and gas companies, report, and they reported on earnings of $76.61 billion in 2018. And they're just one of the many big oil companies. And think about that. Here's a some dude coming along like, we ain't going to need you damn old for our fuel no more. Of course, that ain't going to work. When was Meyer doing all of this? 
Um, this would have been March. March. <laughs> Let me see. I'm just going off the confidence alone. I, I, I agree to that. So he lived until 1998. He would have probably been working on it from the 60s up, I would imagine, until his untimely death. And now, what's so strange about this whole thing, and the reason that I wanted to go with him first is because, you know, he was going out, and he was essentially trying to strip money out of one of the letters in the God's um, pocket, which is guns, oil, and drugs. So uh, I think he was still working on this in 1998. So on March 21st, 1998, Myers was having lunch at a Cracker Barrel with his brother and two potential Belgian investors. I fucking love Cracker Barrel. I, I was going to say that's another reason not to go to Cracker Their food sucks, dude. <laughs> Have you had the Southern Fried Chicken? Have you, you had it like shit? Unless there ain't nothing Southern about Cracker Barrel. I love the new chicken strips. They put this molasses on it with bacon and shit. It's fucking delicious. Anyway, he was having this fucking delicious meal at the Cracker Barrel with his brother and these two Belgian investors and they clank their glasses and toast to the commitment to bettering the world as he took the first sip of his cranberry juice meyer clutched his throat sprang to his feet and ran outside rushing after him his brother stephen found him down on his knees vomiting violently in which he quickly muttered his last words fuck cracker barrel <laughs> exactly <laughs> they poisoned me is what he said. Now, Dude, there's, there's so many different poisons and stuff that they can give you now, especially e even in the 90s, that you would never be able to tell that you were poisoned. You'd only find the, the after effects. His yeah. prototype was a doom buggy. It's pretty fucking sweet. It is pretty dope. Uh, anyway, Mao's death was investigated for three months. It took them three months to figure out what exactly killed him, but they decided it was a cerebral aneurysm. Of course it was. Of course. God, I don't want to turn because the brightness down on this. I look like a ghost right now. Yeah, you've blown up. <laughs> so that's just one instance in where the government mm, probably off somebody, or at least, you know, Big Ol had somebody off him. Big Ol. Big Ol, for sure. So... This brings us to the next feller. Next, we're talking about Charles Pogue. Charles Pogue invented a, a... He was a comedian? He was Canadian. Canadian. Oh. Well, that's, that's, those are synonymous. <laughs> he invented a carburetor that got results up to 216.8 miles per gallon of gas. God dang. Gasoline. And in 1945, according to an unnamed source, carburetors marked Pogue carburetor do not open were used on army tanks throughout World War II, but were removed prior to the recirculation of these vehicles like Jeeps and stuff. Man, the way they did it on those tanks, they actually had them encased and welded by like a big fucking sheet metal to where you couldn't get to them. I wonder what kind of tanks they were used in. I guess all of well, them. Well, I mean, think about how hard 
Because <laughs> really, really what uh, – and Dave, I know you're probably more familiar with World War II than, than me, but part of the downfall of the you Nazis were the fact that their supply chain broke down on getting fuel and ammunition to, to the – Yeah, they um, were – they, I mean, they were using horse and carts. Their, their uh, actual supply chain was super primitive compared to the Allies. They were very um, mechanical transportation poor. And if you think about it, it would have been, you know, pretty difficult for us to get gas and stuff like that to our soldiers too, who were, you know, kind of on on the march through Europe. So I've, I believe that. I, I think that's factual information because now that now that they pointed it out, it does seem like it would be difficult to get gas to all those vehicles. Well, Jeez. that was one of the things that uh, kept Patton from uh, – He, I mean, he was plowing through Europe towards Germany, and uh, they had to slow him down because they couldn't get the fuel to him quick enough. Now, this right here, this has – very i remember this from when i was a kid and i've seen the car myself the amount that was offered to this man varies because i can't remember the exact amount but it was up there this dude in florida when i was a little kid he had bought a 1964 ford fairline and he bought it off this lot that was close to the ford assembly plant and this car got 116 miles to the gallon so what had happened was ford had a prototype and somehow had put it in this ford fairline and he came up with it so ford came to him and offered him a huge sum of money to buy it back as like two or three hundred thousand dollars in the 80s well no this would have been in the 70s when they offered it to him and he basically said you can go fuck yourself and i remember that when he would go get his car service he would sit there while you were servicing it with a pistol in hand <laughs> in case somebody fucked with that carburetor. So the I think I would have figured, figured out how it worked and then took the money. Well, the technology, what I'm saying is the technology is for sure there. So this is another situation of why wouldn't they let us have it? Why not? Well, because think about it. Think about how, like, just the magnitude of gas that is sitting in reserves across the world right now. Yeah. If if you're not burning through it, then you're not making money. Like well, it's the same reason why why you don't have a everlasting tire on your car. Uh, of course, there's better materials, well, but if you don't burn through them, then they're not making money. Well, the thing about it is, if if I got a hundred miles to a gallon, I'd just fucking go more places. <laughs> like, I'd still be buying <laughs> gas, you know. Give me sixty miles to the gallon. Shit, <laughs> like, don't make it electric either. Let me cook and calibrate that shit to where I can go sixty miles on a gallon of gas, and we'll call it a day. Well, it's kind of like the conversation that we were having with Foreman earlier. Like the whole reason there's not an everlasting light bulb or like a light bulb that lasts super long. Because you, you wouldn't ever buy them, and these these LED ones that last like eight hundred hours now, those were even suppressed for a long time because that's a big impact on business. 
the thing about that about the prog carburetor though was it ran off white gas and apparently you could buy this in the open market for a little bit of time too you know what they did to alleviate that what did they do they added lead to it because the lead would fuck up his carburetor so if we have unleaded gas now why isn't it white because they still i mean they say it's unleaded but who fucking knows I guess maybe because it's cut. Isn't all the gas cut with ethanol? Ethanol. I think a oh. lot of it is. Who knows? Who knows? Well, anyway, he sold out because they probably offered him either money or uh, a hole in the ground. <laughs> um, face. Mike, we'll put you where we put that fella from. Uh, what was it? Which one was it? Goodfellas. Was it Goodfellas? Where they beat him to death with a baseball bat and buried him alive. Billy Bats. Yeah. That's one of the most badass death scenes in any movie. I can't remember if That it was, was just Casino. a brutal movie in general. I can't remember if it's Casino or Goodfellas because that little Pesci fella died brutal in both of them. But that it was it was Goodfellas. Yeah, they beat him with baseball bats and then threw his ass in a hole with his brother and started throwing dirt in on him and casino. Oh no, 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 no. That, that that's not casino. That's casino. But I think they did something similar with a baseball bat and uh no, good fellas. Good fellas they just walked in to make him a mad man, a made man, and he looked around and went, shit, and they shot him in the back of the head. No, I'm talking so I'm talking <laughs> about the reason why they did that. That guy that they killed, they like kicked him in a hole or something. In a hole, in a hole. So it looks like this happened back in the early 1920s. Um, Henry Mur Henry Murray developed what was known as radiant energy device. This blows my mind. Uh, it was able to tap into energy from the meta frequency oscillations of empty space. Yes, sir. W what does that mean? It's the same thing that fellow from that anime that you all like uses. That uh, when he goes. Aah! that's key blast oh yeah same thing well what i think it is is like <laughs> um you know how like physics physics describes the universe as vibrations and all things are are vibrating at a cer certain frequency so maybe something to do with that i'm it, it sounds physics to me He's, well, sounds like he tapped into a certain frequency that would convert vibrations into energy or whatever. Well, he was able to turn the dials enough to produce a free energy device weighing 60 pounds, and it produced 50,000 watts of electricity for several hours. God, 50,000 Tom Watts. Could you imagine how drunk that crowd would be? Oh, it, it says he was unable to acquire a patent for it. I wonder what the holdup was that's a lot of the a lot of the cases that i saw is they they try to jam it up in court and then while it's jammed up in court they try to run slander campaigns on these people it like says, what i'm looking at here says the patent office refused to grant the patent initially because they claimed that any vacuum tube which was part of it uh without a heater would not work so it sounds like they just gave him a bullshit reason. Yeah. Well, come look at it. <laughs> Watch it work. Um, I mean, he, he put together some working prototypes of it. 
and he invented the first working transistor years ahead of uh, the transistor made by Bell Laboratories. Um, apparently that device that he made of the prototype, it could be used as a weapon and it was shown off in, in a few experiments as well. The weapon aspect of this, he rigged the device and it, it projected a ray of energy in a beam and it could kill mice immediately or instantly over about 50 feet. So could that be where direct energy weapons came from? I feel like direct energy weapons were probably around before this, honestly. Before the 20s? Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming they probably came over with Tartaria. Now huh. getting like way, mm-hmm. way back there. Anyway, that's where most of our <clears throat> modern technology comes from is shit that we stole from the Tartarian. The difference between Charles and Evor Newberry's carburetor is his used the engine's own exhaust to create a more fuel efficient carburetor. And it doesn't say how high, but apparently the MPG was super high. And um, needless to say, it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, so far, it's all the energy and oil companies that are stifling progressive yep. movement toward a better future for people, which is led by greed. And then, <laughs> and then also... The fucker myself. But I think if I invented something like that, I, I wouldn't care if I sold a few million of them in pocket, a few million dollars, you know? Why didn't they just jump in the game? Well, because it's like I said, you've got a, you've got a reserve of stuff. And do you want to go from selling stuff constantly to selling stuff one time? Because then you're going to hit a ceiling at some point. I'd like to know who decided that we should take and start using oil and things of that nature opposed to alcohol, which the first cars ran on alcohol, did they not? Like Henry yes. Ford, Henry Ford even said the alcohol was a cleaner burning. That's correct. It was your buddy, uh, Mr. Rockefeller, that decided it needed to be cut with oil. Goddamn Rockefeller. <laughs> but, but yeah, that, it was Rockefeller's. Um, so that's the reason that we even are all dependent now. You could be getting fucked up and driving around on your car. That's fucked up too. Off the same alcohol you're drinking if it wasn't for that prick. And then we got <laughs> so. Hans Kohler in the same boat. He created this thing called a magnet stromaparat that created free energy from a seemingly no nothing. They just created energy. It sounds similar to the other free energy producer. But he um, apparently was in with the Nazis, too. Um, And he was involved in Project Paperclip. He invented the Magnetostroma Operata. Stromer Zuger. It scares the shit out of me how good that sounds coming out of your mouth. (laughs) Especially with that fucking SS haircut. <laughs> so have, have you all seen the, the video of like a tightly wound coil and then someone drops a 
like a cylindrical magnet in it and the magnet continues to spin up until it's heated to the point where it just drops. Yep. Like the way it's explained here, the hexagonal construction of coils and magnets, some sort of electromagnetic thing, possibly. Oh, I guarantee it. Which I think that we've had perpetual energy for a long time. Um, so that thing that Kohler invented, the uh, Stromazuger, is uh, said it would uh, claim that an input of a few watts from a dry battery, an output of six kilowatts could be obtained indefinitely. Should. Jeez. Yeah. So it should be mentioned, though, that the above Dr. Shorman or whatever his name is, He's uh, the very same scientist that was involved, like like a, like a, the Nazi you said. <laughs> I didn't say he was Nazi. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Like Reed said um, in one of the books, uh, Hitler's Flying Saucers. And so apparently they could use something to do with this device to help with Hitler's Flying Saucers. How is that the title? I mean, I get, I understand the contents of it just based off the title, but that's, that reads like a, a work of fiction, just title alone. Well, that'd be like, uh, I don't know, like Bob Vila's building a house or something. Hitler. Granted, I don't read, so. Uncle Dave's, these old balls. <laughs> <laughs> and the carpets doesn't match the drapes. <laughs> Call me Gandalf Greybush. I think this next one is probably going to be. I mean, really, it's it's really short. But there's there's a guy named Lester Hendershot who invented a fuelless generator. Couldn't get a patent, and then he committed suicide. Suicide. With quotation marks. Like, but. He, he invented that in 20, 1927, 1928, committed suicide many years later in 61. I think That's, he was trying to get a patent the whole time, and then um, whenever the energy companies got a hold of it, he got scared and committed suicide. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it says that they were, they were basically trying to coach him into not proceeding and – you know, like I said, they just jam you up in court and call you crazy until, you know, if you keep pushing back, that's when they dig you a hole. The next one is Joseph Yader. He uh, apparently invented a rooftop device that converted the, the freed electrons from heated molecules and was claimed to run off fluctuation voltage derived from static noise heard on radios and amplifiers. So he could literally rip white noise out of the sky like Jesus come <laughs> into a device that powered a whole house, apparently. So yep. cool. I, I grouped all <laughs> I did group all of these together because Joseph Pascal, another carburetor. Yeah. Um which there's not there wasn't a lot known about him, but it was supposed to reduce the pollution that everybody's so hell bent on. But that was actually used. That one was used in taxi cabs and shit in the Baton Rouge area, but it was never commercialized. So they actually would, used that one. You but would think this guy created a lot of stuff. A reversible thermoelectric converter. He's got one, two, three, four, five, 
six patents there. Yeah, this guy, he got them patented. So this one was probably more like a, they probably had leniency with him because it wasn't anything that was sucking the money out of their pockets at that time. This was just reducing the output, basically, of the old driven vehicles. Well, I mean, it did reduce, but not an overwhelming amount. No. The, it increased the mileage by 25%, supposedly. Yeah. But just, it, if we have stuff like this to make meaningful impacts to the environment, why are we worried about putting fart bags on cows so that <laughs> you know and i mean that's a legitimate thing people uh are putting bags on their cows to prevent their farts from going into the atmosphere <laughs> i'll say bottle those suckers up and send them over here get that junk <laughs> you get high as hell from cow, cow fart did you know that no you can get stone to the bone it's just like huffing gas well, I mean, there's a that that's a drug name. Well, it's not farts, but it's like shit and piss in buckets. Cover it up, let it sit for a while, and then you huff that stuff, and it's called jankum. Mm-hmm. It's that's crazy. Methane, right? Yes, sir. Get you fucked up. <laughs> you don't do drugs, but if you're going to do farts, <laughs> huff your shit shit fumes. <laughs> Is that why everybody likes to smell their own flavor? Probably. Yeah, I would guarantee It's micro-dosing. It. I bet you're... I bet that's what it is. I bet that's what it is because over the years, I remember being a child and sometimes when I fart, I puke because it smelled so bad. But now, when I fart, I sniff that shit up. And I bet it's because I'm addicted to my own fart. I can't. Don't you? I bet that's what it is. Shut up. <laughs> I guarantee that there's an addiction quality to farts. And that's why people like to smell their own farts. I guarantee that's what it is. Damn, I'm an addict. What if you had to go to the NA and you stood up there and said, hello, I'm favorite Reed. I'm a fartaholic. <laughs> this became this became unbearable in the workplace. <laughs> John Andrew was a Portuguese chemist that invented a water additive. It was a green powder derived from coal. And he would add it to gasoline for all intents and purposes. And apparently it would reduce the cost of gasoline to about two cents per gallon. Ooh. He's not the only one. No. So, uh, so apparently he was extremely paranoid, though. Wait, that had to be the equivalent of two cents today because this was like 19, the teens, right? The teens? I'm sure it was cents back then, for sure. Well, I mean, it would go from four cents to two cents. I'm hoping that's uh, equated with inflation there. Yeah, this is a 1917. That wouldn't that be dope as hell getting gas for two cents a gallon? Gosh. Well, so he created that, and then this next dude, Guido, Guido, French, had a very similar formula. And even though he demonstrated it hundreds of times in front of two judges in a fraud trial as well, 
Octave Judges. It was never commercialized. And, you know, the whole point of us doing this episode is to let you know that this stuff exists where our lives would be maybe not 100% better, 15% better. Like, if I wanted to go on a trip, I wouldn't spend $500 in gasoline. And the reason we don't have it is because gods control our fucking every movement. And they had suppressed everything that would make anything easy for us. Well, think about it. If if any of these things were in play, flights, like even plane tickets, if if planes were even the thing, you know, if we had free energy, who knows what the mode of travel would be. But if if it were still planes, plane tickets would probably be like ten dollars a ticket. Yeah. Well, no, because you still have to pay the pilot. You got to pay this, the waiters. Is it waiters? Stewardesses. Steward, steward, stewards. Steward. 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 I get that, but you also have a plane full of people paying the money. True. Yeah. And I don't get it, man. Like, you've got everything else. Let us have this. <laughs> and and honestly, inflation probably would have never happened like it did. Like. <laughs> Like maybe maybe thirty thousand dollars a year would still be a really good salary. Well, you gotta think inflation has a lot to do with transportation costs, like a significant amount to do with transportation costs, like the the diesel in the trucks, the carbonated farts in the boats. (laughs) Imagine maybe all the uh, military conflicts that wouldn't have happened because they weren't fighting over oil. Wouldn't fighting over oil. That's also true. Um, There's like, another big uh, industrial complex, military yeah. industrial complex. And that's another reason that this is probably being suppressed because at the end of the day, if we're not fighting for oil or drugs, what else we fighting? The war, the war machine ain't making money. The war machine ain't making money. It, it sounds like these ideas came from coal miners. Yeah. Because, I mean, they work around it. They know what it does and everything like that. And, I mean, that's the way it goes. The next person we're going to talk about is a Nikola Tesla. Now, this guy, he was an inventor of hundreds of things, a few things that people don't believe existed, such as he uh, could see he had a death machine. He was apparently part of the Manhattan Project. Like, he's just everywhere. But there's a few things people cannot dis, dis, dispute at all about Nikola Tesla. He did know how to harness free energy 100% for fucking Rizzle. Show. <laughs> in, in all of your research, do you think he was a good guy? Nikola Tesla? Yeah. I think so. I think that he uh, got most of his ideals from ancient technology um, from the Tartarians. That's a reoccurring theme. Well, um, how does how does one stumble upon Tartarian technology? So Nikola Tesla was Austrian, and apparently that is one of the last strangleholds that the Tartarians had was in that region right there. And somehow, I don't know if it would have either been passed down from generation to generation, or if he was just a last remnants of a Tartarian race. Either way it goes, most of his technology would have came from the ancient technology of the Tartarians, which was suppressed by either 
Gud. So, or some kind of Alanian. Yeah, he was Austrian. I know. mean, it seems like he was a good guy. Like, from everything I read, like, it seems like he had humanity's best interest at heart. You know why I know he was a good guy? Because he died broke. That's a good point. Well, I mean, I, I like Tully's question in general because a lot of the things talked about here, they could be skewed either way. I don't think that a lot of these people go in. Well, I think by default, a lot of these people go into it for the betterment of society. But uh, there's mention of another, another beam ray here, and I'm sure it was set to kill cancer, but with some tweaking that could easily be set to enhance the cancer. Enhancing cancer? Well, look at, look at our world today. Literally everything causes cancer. Like it, it's all set up to get us in a a system for for monetary um, extortion. Basically, I mean, you don't know you're being extorted, but I was listening to a radio program, nationally syndicated, talking about. Some guy had a uh, some type of surgery, and uh, he uh, said uh, they told him, "Okay, your bill is going to be forty three thousand dollars." And he was like, "Oh no, I'm paying with cash," and they worked it down to seven thousand. So, well, all of that the way the the system works now, it also goes back to our good buddy Rockefeller. Yeah, they ran a campaign. I think it was, I think it might have been the late 1800s, early 1900s, where they called anybody using non-petroleum medicine a quack, and drove them out of the medical field. Yeah, but that's the way she goes. That's the way she goes. So, in 2001, Nova Scotian Rick Simpson. So here's a little uh, something that could help you with your skin cancer get it apparently uh we're not doctors here nope i like to be we don't give any we're not giving any medical advice we're just reading history we're reading some history here a nova scotian named rick simpson discovered that a cancer spot had appeared right on his skin <clears throat> but with applying a little essential oil made from marijuana shit cleared right up and since then, Simpson and others have treated thousands of cancer patients to incredible success, allegedly. Uh, researchers from Spain have confirmed that THC, an active compound in marijuana, kills brain tumor cells in human subjects and shows promise with... Native Americans used to, used to partake in the marijuana. And can you think of any... Like, they, first of all, they lived to be really, really old. And second of all... I guarantee none of them had Alzheimer's. Probably not. Um, I don't know. My grandma, nah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm talking about actual indigenous people free from, you know, like before we came here. Yeah. And then, of course, <laughs> there was the American inventor, Roll Roth. That's his real name, apparently. In 1934, he cured 14 terminal cancer patients and hundreds of animal cancers by aiming his beam ray at what he called the cancer virus. So why isn't that used today? 
there's a book apparently by a fellow by, by the name of Barry Lines. L-Y-N-E-S. Lines. That 1987, the book called Cancer Cure That Worked. Details how Ross' invention was discredited by Morris Fishbein, the director of the American Medical Association, AMA, after he's offered to buy a share of the technology was rebuffed. Although this has, although this has never been proven, and the AMA denies it because why wouldn't they? In 1953, the U.S. Senate Special Investigation concluded that Fishbein and the AMA had conspired with the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to suppress various alternate cancer treatments that conflicted with the AMA's predetermined view that radium, x-ray therapy, and surgery are the only recognized treatment of cancer. You know, I don't think this is mentioned anywhere in there, but in the 70s, I think in, it might have been in the late 70s when chemo started coming to the forefront but there was a competitor to chemo that had a 60% better cure rate at cancer called apricot seeds. Apricot seeds. Well, like you just ingest them? Yeah, I, I don't even think it's an extract. I think um, it's just like the apricot seeds in a powder form. And Oh, yeah, so you got to dry them, bust them up, and sniff them. In whole, holistic medicine now, that's one of the main cures to cancer along with, um, well, not cures to cancer, but that's what they believe to be a, a cure to cancer, um, along with dandelion root. Dandelion root. My mom made some dandelion wine one time. That shit's so good. It was fucking horrible. <laughs> I like dandelion wine. You know, <laughs> the... the <laughs> The old timers used to say that uh, the the cure to all of your ailments would always end up growing near your house, and the things that they've told us are just weeds, like dandelions, are actually life saving, really good, you know, cures and prevention systems. It's it's weird. I'm sure they are. Although their- official studies, and again, I don't give medical advice. These aren't my views. These are studies that you can look up on the internet. The thing that pisses me off when everybody's like, well, why would they, man? Why would they do that? Why would they suppress anything like that, man? You know how fucking people man. are. Man, why would they do that? Well, it's pretty fucking simple. <laughs> the reason they suppress the carburetors the reason they suppress the fuel mileages, the reason they suppress the carbon emissions that can be reduced, the reason they suppress cures, everything goes back to the almighty dollar, which really holds no weight at all at this point in our life. And it's a lot of bullshit involved because you can't make a profit off a cured patient and you can't make a profit off a car that doesn't run on petrol. I'm sure that if that car would have somehow came out that ran off water, by now we would be paying probably $20 a gallon for water somehow. This next one's a little bit less morbid. Less morbid and one of my favorites. 
because this one I love this one the Chrono Visor. Have you ever heard Cro- of Chrono Visor? Chrono Visor. Yeah, Chrono Visor. So, what if you had a device that could see into the future and revisit the past? Uh, this is supposedly the device uh, to help you do that. The the Chrono Visor. I, I um, before you go, what if yeah. you had a device that could do that? What would you do with it? Just you, you, just, you, you can't go there. You can just see. You can just see the future, past, and future, whichever one. Well, that like kind of leads into the whole other thing. Like, if if you observe the future, does that then manipulate it somehow that you can't get to that one? You create like a sub timeline, or how how would that realistically work in real life? If you believe in like infinite universe theory if you found this device you are already going to find the device oh that's deep in that universe but you know now that they're firing off that particle accelerator like who knows like it for real that no what would you what would you want to look at if you could do it future past what event like what would uh the creation of the universe as brutal as it sounds i would want to see the gladiators in the coliseum yeah that's a good one yeah, yeah. that's what i'm on with too continue sir i'm sorry i interrupted oh no it's it's an, it's an interesting take uh so this came about from an italian priest named pellegrino maria ernetti uh, and this was back in the 1960s. He claimed to have invented this chronovisor. Um, and I guess one of his first look backs was Christ's crucifixion. Um, it enabled viewers to, to watch any event in human history by tuning into the remnant vibrations that are caused by every action. So that kind of ties into some of the supernatural stuff that we had talked about, just like the energy left over. Yeah, we talk about that all the time. All the time. Um, his team of researchers, they also worked on the first atomic bomb. One of the, the builders, uh, Enrico Fermi, uh, on his deathbed, he admitted that he had faked viewings of ancient Greece and Christ's demise, but he insisted that the chronovisor uh, still worked. And now the conspiracy is the Vatican owns the, the original chronovisor. Of course they do. So that's why they just kind of sit through all these allegations that come out. They're like, ah, we looked ahead. We know nothing's going to come of it. There's a lot of nefarious stuff going on at the Vatican right now, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right now, you say? Oh, yeah. Not for the past couple thousand years. <laughs> just started today. It just started today. I, they're just getting more bold with it, yeah. like with some of the symbolism and uh, stuff that they're doing. Like even architecture is is getting a little out there. Yeah, the clouds. Well, if, you, if you know what's going to happen, then you know the repercussions. <clears throat> Yeah, you know, you already know what's going to happen. Wait, so, uh, I'm going to go off on a tangent. You guys know that show on Amazon called uh, The Man in the High Castle? Never watched yeah. it. Watch it. So, the guy who wrote the book that that show's based off of, I don't know if you know this, Reed, the author claimed that he wrote that book based off of personal experience that he slipped into a parallel dimension 
parallel universe where they had actually won the war. And that's why in the book, he reversed it to make one of them slip into our universe where they didn't. Oh, wow. I did not know that. What's this, yep. what's this about? Basically, the premise of it is that the Nazis and uh, Japan won World War II. Mm. And basically, uh, the United States is split uh, into the uh, German, the Reich, uh, has the land from the Rockies to the East Coast, and Japan has the land from the Rockies to the West Coast. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep, I just wanted to throw that in there. You know, if you had something that could look into the future or the past, <clears throat> what if you were looking in these alternate universes? Like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe, like, really the only true thing that you could look at would be how it was created. Like if if you were looking at alternate timelines, yeah. If if you could if you could look into the past, you're you're not interacting with it. But if you're looking, my take is if you're looking into the future, then you are obscuring it in a sense. Yeah, you have to be interacting or causing rifts in the time continuum, as they would say on Back to the Future. The only thing I can think is if I looked into the future and seen something was going to happen, the only way that it would alter is if you went and did something about it. Between the four of us, if we look into the future and see something horrible going to happen, would we do anything about it? Could we do anything about it? Yeah. You mean like like something, not the us, but just like some kind of crazy event? Yeah. Say, say if we were pre-9-11 and used the corona, or not corona, <laughs> the What's it called again? Chronovisor. Chronovisor and saw that 9-11 was going to happen. Could we stop it, influence, make it change? I'd make a phone call, but the thing about that is I'm pretty sure they already knew something was going to happen. Well, I'm, I'm kind of... No. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of disputing the, the future viewing of this thing. I mean, it, it mentions it in the tagline of seeing into the future, but there is no mention of seeing into the future with this little blurb about it it's just already past events because it talks about tuning into just the, the remnant vibrations yeah there are that, no remnant that makes vibrations more sense of something that hasn't happened exactly like energy that's already out there in the universe yeah and not till you know 53 the year that my daddy was born when a severe drought threatened blueberry harvest in the state of maine dr wilhelm reich Dr. Wilhelm Reich, (laughs) the inventor of a supposed rainmaking device called the Cloud Burster, and he contracted to bring he was contracted to bring rain to the area. The Bangor Daily News reported at the time, within hours of setting up the Cloud Burster, nearly a fourth inch of rain had fallen across the area, despite no precipitation. Did I get that? Yeah. Fuck yeah. And that forecast. <laughs> Curiously, it does not seem that Reich attempted this feat ever again. In 1954, the government put a stop to his work entirely after he was convicted for selling phone booth size, a phone booth size box that he claimed cured the common cold and in, in impotence. <sighs> In violation of the FDA rules, Reich was sentenced to prison, where he soon died. 
The court also ordered that Reich's inventions, their parts, and any writings about them be destroyed. So why would they suppress that? Doesn't it exist? It's the heart (laughs) thing, right? Well, it's heart. Do you think they just straight up stole it? Like, we're just going to take this and use it for whatever we want to use it for. Because didn't, what, like Abu Dhabi, didn't they do something to cause rain? Yeah, it was either, ago. either there or Dubai. I can't remember. That, but, uh, I think it was Dubai. It was. But Dubai. yeah, they they definitely made rain, and everybody's just like, "Oh, well, we're, we're not going to talk about that." What <laughs> <laughs> the fires burn California to the ground? It, you know, who cares? It, I mean, the cold thing, very similarly to what we're going through now. You know, if we get a cold, it's not terrible. But if an old person gets a cold, Could they usually, you're right. And you, know, you got the whole social security system. When was that implemented? 56? Somewhere in there. And the average life expectancy was lower than 64 at the time. So I don't think they would want to, I don't think that uh, there will ever be a cure to the cold. Thank you for watching us because we're watching you.